listening to the CXMH podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to CXMH, a podcast on faith and mental health. My name is Robert Vore. I'm one of your hosts, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Dr. Holly Oxhandler. Holly, how are you today? Hey, Robert. I'm, I am here. I am with you, and I'm excited yeah. to get to talk about uh, this week's episode, but I'm doing pretty okay. Um, yeah, I feel like this week has held a lot of awesome things and a lot of difficult things too this week. Um, but I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I similarly, I am here. I'm okay. I, uh, (laughs) listeners can probably tell by the, my voice sounding a little strange. I don't feel great. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was the weirdest thing yesterday. I feel like normally, uh, you know, you kind of start feeling a little bit sick and it kind of like progresses or you like wake up and you're sick. And yesterday at like 6 p.m., as if somebody flipped a switch, like I had felt fine, and then all of a sudden I felt terrible. So, mm. but that's all right. I agree with everything you said about this week, holding a lot of both types of things in terms of yeah. good things, bad things, you know. And uh, but we're here, we're recording, and yeah, I'm excited to to do that. Yes, me too. Yes, we are here. Like the day before this episode comes out too, which is a little later for us, you know, usually. But it does yeah. feel like this this last week was like the longest month, like just the week. It was, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, that's okay. So yeah. So what, it, so in addition, I'm so sorry that you're, that you're not feeling well though today, but like how, you know, what, what have you and, and Brooke been up to uh, this last week? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, not a lot of super wild things. I know it's, I, I, I did an Instagram, you know, I, I think we, uh, we talk kind of holistically on this mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. like things that impact our mental health and our physical health and all that right mm-hmm. and uh, in what in kind of like a thing that's that sounds silly potentially but i i feel like falls within that it's cooled off here and so you know i did an instagram story a couple of days ago i think it was wednesday or something that it was cool enough to like wear jeans outside and mm. you know, like the type of clothes that i enjoy wearing and i feel like hey I, I i enjoy looking this way as opposed to like wearing shorts and being super hot and whatnot and so that was nice you know we've gotten to spend some time outside things like mm-hmm. that but i thought you know it's an interesting thing to say like oh i got to dress in a particular way and so it like really <laughs> boosted my mood though like i was like yeah. oh yeah i love this it's like kind of fall you know uh, i know yeah so i've been enjoying that that is so good. No, I totally understand that. It has definitely been nice. Texas has been a bit cooler. And so we've been able to sit outside in the backyard a bunch and just being able to work outside and it not be so humid and hot and being able to wear cozier clothes. And it doesn't change the mood, I think, drastically. It changes my mood drastically. So. Yeah. Well, what have y'all been up to? Anything exciting aside from uh, enjoying the outdoors? Yeah, no, I feel like that's just exciting in it of itself for us. Like just to be able to go sit outside and enjoy working outside and it not be super hot out. It's just been nice. But no, I mean, we, I feel like this week there, there were, um, there were a lot of deadlines this week that I, I knew took a lot of my attention this week and certainly um, just required a lot more time. And so kind of getting back into that mode 
um, has been interesting coming from the summer. And it's, you know, it's like the deadlines kind of slowly build up. But then this last week was the week where like they all kind of stacked on top of each other. And so um, just kind of getting ready for that was interesting, but it's done. And so I was able to rest, like fully rest yesterday. Well, we're recording this on Sunday, but being able to fully rest on Saturday and today has just been really nice. And I know you and I had a chance to, like one of those deadline pieces, we're getting ready for Mm -hmm. this summit that is coming up next month. And so for our listeners um, who are interested, there is a church mental health summit that is on October 10th, which is World Mental Health Day. Hope Made Strong is hosting it and and has, I think, about 60 speakers for this yeah. event, which is incredible. And I, you know, and it's so fun because some of our previous guests on our episodes are some of the other speakers. So that's so, yeah. so neat to get to to see that. And so so yeah, so one of the things that that I got to do this week was to record the talk for that, which uh, my talk is focused on self-care for helpers and the need to care for ourselves in order to care for our neighbors well. And I know you have a talk too. Yeah. You want to tell our listeners about that one? Yeah, so I did, I too enjoyed uh, kind of meeting that deadline, checking that off yes. <laughs> from my to-do list to my like done list. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is around kind of having hard conversations, right? Uh, particularly around mental health. It's kind of about like the way that we show up to those conversations and what that does in terms of helping uh, the people in our community, the people who are coming to us with their vulnerable moments, right? Uh, how we show up in that with some really practical also like what you do things, but in terms of how do we have conversations that offer healing and resilience and things like that, right? And so hopefully there's a lot of really practical things woven in there as well. I loved it. And I, I did enjoy when I was scrolling through the, the speakers, I did mm-hmm. kind of chuckle at how many of them either have been on the show or we have talked to in other, you know, like mm-hmm. interacted with them on Twitter or Zoom or we've had phone calls and things like that. And so I was scrolling through thinking, man, there's this is a lot of people that we know, which is cool to see how that this world all overlaps and, and intersects. Yeah, and just even browsing through some of the topics that that they're going to be talking about, I'm really excited about this. But my understanding is that this event is free in terms of it being live streamed, so you'll be able to watch it for free. But if you want access to all of the talks, then we will like you can you can purchase that. So we'll have the links for our listeners to be able to access those, you know, dropped in our show notes and we'll we'll share it on social media too, so that y'all can join along and learn from other amazing speakers and their good work too. So yeah, yeah I'm yeah. I'm like really excited seeing like how this has come together. It's gonna be it's gonna be good. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So Anyways, but other other than that, I mean, it's just been it's been a deadlines week. But next week will be a nice little catch up week in the Oxhandler home, and that will be what it'll be. And yeah. I'm sure we will be practicing some of the stress reduction uh, <laughs> skills that we got to learn about on this week's episode. So yeah. with that, do you want to introduce our listeners to this week's guest? 
Yeah, absolutely. This week, we are joined by Gina Beagle. She's an LMFT, a therapist, a researcher, a speaker, an author, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, she's also the founder of StressedTeens.com and has written a number of books about teenagers and stress, things like that, right? And she's the developer of mindfulness-based stress reduction for teens. So she teaches that, but we, we get to talk to her about modern day teens, right? Like what mm-hmm. kind of the, the same way I feel like we did last week with Amber, right? We got to say, okay, pre-COVID, what was it already like for teenagers, right? The same yeah. way we did. What has COVID added to that? Yeah. And then how do we help, right? If And she even spoke like kind of directly to teens. Here's some ideas. She unpacks mindfulness in like a really accessible way because mm-hmm. I know it kind of this like hmm, mindfulness, right? Like, I don't know, sometimes that feels like a, this term that gets thrown around often, kind of like self-care, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. But she offers like straight to any teens that may be listening, like, hey, here's some ideas on how to practice this, how to, how to interact or how to cope with stress, how to navigate that. And then has some ideas just for uh, whether you're a parent or a, a youth pastor or a teacher or just someone who like works with teens in any capacity, right? Like how do we support teens in navigating all the very unique stressors that kind of this moment has has brought about? And so yeah. I loved it. Obviously, if you've listened to the show at all, you know that adolescents and young adults is like my passion area. And so mm-hmm. I was excited about this one. But what did what did you think? Yeah, no, I I loved this conversation. I think I loved how she was able to take this information that is relevant for teenagers. But I think there were a lot of takeaways for anyone, whether you work with teens or you don't, um, or you have teens in your home, or I mean, I, I just think that there are some really practical takeaways that um, that any of us can have, but certainly there was this special attention to what is it that teens are facing and how can we support teens well and, and, and what is it that they need kind of through this season. So, I mean, I, I loved it. Sometimes I like listening to the wisdom that our guests bring just in thinking about personally, I even think about with Callie and Oliver and, you know, they're, they're not teenagers right now, but like some of these things are really helpful for as they kind of move into that stage of life. So I don't know. I, I really liked it. And Gina was such a great, she was just was such a great guest. So I'm excited for our listeners to get to hear this one. Yeah. Well, we will step aside and let y'all listen to our interview on teenagers, stress, mindfulness, all those sorts of topics with the fantastic Gina Beagle. All right. Enjoy, y'all. All right. Today, we are so excited to be joined by Gina M. Beagle. She is an LMFT, a psychotherapist, a researcher, a speaker, and an author in the San Francisco Bay Area who specializes in mindfulness-based work with adolescents. She's the founder of Stressed Teens, which has been offering mindfulness-based stress reduction for teens to adolescents, families, schools, professionals, and the community since 2004. She's the expert and pioneer of bringing mindfulness-based approaches to youth. In fact, she's the creator of MBSRT, which I mentioned earlier. She is the author of a number of books, including the Self-Harm Workbook for Teens, Be Mindful and Stress Less, Mindfulness for Student Athletes, the Stress Reduction Workbook for Teens, uh, a couple of card decks, right, Be Mindful, and the Stress Reduction Card Deck for Teens, uh, both of which are card decks about mindfulness skills. 
And she also has a mindfulness practice audio CD called Mindfulness for Teens. We'll link all of those in the show notes. Don't worry. Uh, Her work has been featured on things like the Today Show, CNN, Psychology Today, the New York Times, all sorts of all sorts of places. So, uh, Gina, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm I'm good. I would say, though, you didn't mention my actual favorite book, which is called Take in the Good. So uh, I wanted to mention it because of all the books I've written, it's um, my favorite one. And it's my most recent book that has been published. Mm, ah, well, awesome. there you go. Normally, I, I ask if I missed anything. Um, so thank you for pointing that out. I'll make sure to add that one. No, it's just funny because that one's my <laughs> the one I'm most excited about. I mean, I love my other books as well. But, mm. you know, I don't know, I guess maybe authors have their favorite. And that's my favorite so far. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Well, um, aside from the book that I missed, is there anything else that our, our audience should know about you before we kind of dive in? Um, I am happy to report that I have recently created an all school program, which is kind of a way to deal with COVID and what's going on right now. So I got request like some request on the need of kind of helping schools with with the new transition of learning and different states having different kind of needs. Mm. And so I have a new program for schools and a percentage of the um, proceeds go to a nonprofit called COSUM or the Coalition of Schools Educating Mindfully. Mm. And so that is a, I would love to give a shout out to that. So thank you. Yeah, that's the Mindfulness-Centered Social Emotional Learning, right? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I have have a a question about that in a little bit. So we definitely want to hear more about that. Um, But kind of for, you know, just so people get to know you and, and as a way of kind of laying the land, obviously, the name of your organization and most of your books focus around teens uh, and kind of helping teens deal with stress, right? Why are you so passionate about, A, teenagers, but then in particular, helping them navigate stress? Well, I feel like, you know, I wish I knew what I know now when I was a teen. Um, Mindfulness was not something that was mainstream by any means when I was in high school. And um, especially now with social media and I think things being the way they are, especially in our the current climate, I think it's um, really ever present the need for really how to deal with stress and how to not only just deal with stress and be mindful, bringing mindfulness into your life, but also what are ways to really take care of yourself and teach young people how to engage in self-care and gratitude and compassion at a young age so that it really can help as they make decisions in their life and navigate their, their young adult years. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Have you, have you always wanted to work with teens since you kind of entered your professional career or was it something that you kind of saw the need for and then kind of grew into that? I would say a third way, which was I kind of fell into it. I wasn't really planning to work with teens Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's interesting. I was actually, I'll tell you a story this morning. I was on a call um, with a book club with teens from all over the world, literally all over the world were on with me. And they asked me, you know, how'd you get into this? And the thing is, is when I was an intern, I ended up interning at a place where one of the sites was included teens and one was for adults. And then my original, my first supervisor suggested that I, I, I have, I'm a good fit for teens. I work well with teens. And of course I was like, okay, I have no idea what you're talking about, but sure. Mm. And um, it, I ended up getting an internship after that at um, Kaiser, a large HMO in California and the child and adolescent psychiatry department. And I, you know, started doing my intern there, internship there. And I stayed for eight years um, once I got licensed. And 
Uh, I find that it's a really great, teens are a good fit for me. And I think it has to do with the fact that maybe I'm a little bit of a teen at heart. I'm, I'm definitely more mature than I was at a, with a, as a teen and definitely know a lot more, but I definitely feel like I have a lot of empathy and compassion for that age group because I, I know that I had a lot of teen angst and a difficult time when I was a teen and feel also that teens are very open to the content such as mindfulness and taking in the good I feel like teens really are wanting it and really almost hemorrhaging and needing, you know, these mm. skills more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, I love that. I know uh, right there you just said needing them more than ever. Uh, obviously, right now, teens are facing kind of an entirely unique set of stressors that no one's ever faced before. Can you talk some about even before this, right, what teens were already facing in terms of stressors and then how that's changed in the past six, seven months here? Right. So I feel like there's a lot of just a lot of pressure that teens are, I mean, that are imposed on them by maybe their parents or their community. But I see a lot of teens imposing so much pressure on themselves to, you know, kind of almost be perfect at everything they're doing. I mean, I'm not saying that this is true across the board for all teens, Mm -hmm. but I definitely feel the pressure for teens who are like, want to, you know, go to college and need to have certain grades and they want to have the best of this and that. And they want all of these things to put on their applications. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's this, this pressure to just do, do, do. And by the time teens even consider going to college, I almost feel like they're burned out. Like I just, I I feel like what would happen in our, you know, for us as adults, maybe at some point in our careers, I I literally see this happening to teenagers and they're extremely sleep deprived. And just, I actually was meeting, I was doing an interview with a teen last year who's now at UCLA and she was telling me that her friends would call in sick to school to catch up on sleep and to take naps. Oh and it's gosh. like, and I was like, oh. you know, I know when I was in high school, if I was, if I was calling in sick and I wasn't actually sick, it sure wasn't to go to sleep, Yeah, <laughs> was, yeah. Uh, you know, to do something I shouldn't be doing, you know, like going to this, mm-hmm. I used to, you know, go to San Francisco or, you know, go do something fun with your friends or, you know, of course I'm not, I'm not suggesting teens go do that, but You know, I I definitely wasn't taking the day off of school to go sleep, whereas I think today's teen, they're just really stretched thin. And also by spending a lot of their time on social, that also can be, you know, help. It can be a support, you know, connecting with people. But at a certain point, if you're on there too long and, you know, it starts going till two, three in the morning, then it's also hard to kind of get up and go to school the next day and do what you need to do. Yeah. so that was the pre-COVID, you know, time. And yeah. I feel like I actually just did a talk not too long ago on social isolation and just, you know, kind of finding a new, what is the new normal for people. And I have to say, I, I teach a teen group, um, online teen group. And um, it's what was interesting is I was teaching a group when the shelter in place, that's what we call it in California anyway, happened. And, and it was midway through my group. So it was And then I've also taught an entire four week group in completely in the pandemic. And I am, I was pleasantly surprised with, I found like teens really resourcing themselves. Like I felt like teens, a lot of them were really rising to the occasion and being creative with what they did. You know, I, a lot of teens have been mindfully baking and, or learning a new uh, language or a new instrument or 
writing their friends letters for the first time, like real letters and real cards and, you know, just finding new ways to connect with people on social and um, in terms of like, you know, having Zoom parties and like hangouts, not, you know, and I also just I noticed that teens are more have been more um, aware of their basic needs that are being met for them. And so in that way, I've been really pleasantly surprised how teens have resourced themselves. But at the same time, it's very clear that there is social isolation and not everyone has access to the same resources. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it can be very isolating and very mental health challenges from being at home, especially depending what your home environment is like. And if, you know, going out and being in school and, you know, was their respite to kind of from their house. And that's definitely been a change as well. So there's a lot of adjustments. And also, I think there's the the fear of not knowing when this is going to end. And, you know, even what their school environment's going to be like, because, you know, it's been changing, you know, week to week, day to day. It's like, oh, we're going back to yeah. school. Oh, no, now we're going to hybrid. Now yes. we're going to social distance learning. And I mean, I know you guys, I think, I think one of you is in Atlanta. And I know that, I mean, you guys, the mm-hmm. school system has just mm-hmm. been in, in such, I mean, I'm, I'm working with some teachers right now there and I feel for you, you know, um, I'm in California and I feel like it's definitely a little bit more progressive mm-hmm. and understanding that, you know, safety and, and distance learning is the way to go for this community where I'm at. And I know that there's a lot of challenges and a lot of different opinions out there about this. So I can only imagine what teens are going through if their opinions are different than their parents or their school and just, you know, how do you control the uncontrollables? You can't, you know, so there's the, there's the, the control, the things you can control and the things you can't. And how do you sit with those things? You know, the the stress of not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And Holly's in Texas as well. Mm -hmm. And so I know Mm -hmm. Texas as well as Georgia has uh, kind of been constantly shifting and all over the place and whatnot. So, Yeah. yeah. I think because of the all school program I created and then because I teach a I te- teach a 10 week professional training from people all over the United States and all over the world. And so I've been getting firsthand knowledge from a lot of professionals and teachers literally hearing their experience right now, which has been a really nice opportunity for me because I actually know <laughs> I know what's going on in Texas. I know what's going on mm-hmm. in Georgia and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of keeping up with different states and and their needs. And then also that those needs have been changing yeah. just based on where the pandemic is moving, you know, the, the higher cases. And so we're definitely in a different time. And I think you, you know, you put politics in that and you put just everything. I feel it's like a hot, like just this melting pot of issues that our young people are having to face right now that we sure didn't have to face when we were in high school. Yeah, for sure. No, that's, it's really important. And I think that sensitivity to the different areas and kind of what they're facing and juggling is is super important. And yeah, I just think, you know, especially in this time, you're right. There are so many things that we're juggling that are new for a lot of folks. And so, you know, so, so paying close attention, um, especially to something like mindfulness is really important. And along those lines, actually, I would really love to hear you kind of talk a little bit about the importance of mindfulness and why why should we be focusing on mindfulness? And maybe if there's a way that you can explain a little bit more around the basic idea of what mindfulness is for folks who may, you know, not really be familiar with this word. 
Sure. So, you know, everyone kind of has their own definition of mindfulness, mindfulness practitioners, that is. And for me, I, when I was kind of learning about mindfulness earlier on in my career, I found that the definitions of mindfulness were really jargony and didn't really make a lot of sense and mm-hmm. were a little bit existential. Yeah. Really. <laughs> so I, I wanted to make mindfulness the definition that I came up with something really concrete and understandable and accessible. So my definition for mindfulness is noticing your thoughts, your feelings, and your physical sensations in the present moment without harmful judgment. And Mm. the difference for me, well, one big difference between is most definitions will include the word non-judging instead of harmful judgment. And Mm. when you tell someone just to not judge altogether, I think that that puts a lot of pressure on someone that whenever they're judging, then they're doing something wrong or whenever they're judging, they need to be changing that behavior or that thought. And the thing is, is that people judge. We're human beings. We do judge. And sometimes judgments help us like, hey, I need to look both ways before I cross the street. Or, hey, if someone's pointing oh, no. um, a gun at me, it might it isn't safe. But if someone's pointing a plastic gun shooting water at me, it is. You know, so what I mean by harmful judgments is that someone consider a teen, a person consider what are the things that are based on truth, fact and reality um, and asking ourselves when we're thinking about ourselves and when we're thinking about others, are those things, those beliefs, those thoughts, truth, real or factual? And that a lot of times for all of us, we can get into that place where I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not this or that. And those are the harmful judgments. And so what I want young people and all of us really is to be aware of what we're thinking, what we tell ourselves, those harmful judgments we tell ourselves, what we're feeling, be tuned into our emotional experience and our physical experience, because we are given a lot of information um, about how we're doing. You know, pain provides us with information. Mm -hmm. Stress is actually providing us with information. And our body is meant to protect us. It's, It's designed to let us know when things are you know, out of balance so that we basically recalibrate to get to homeostasis to that balance point. And if we're tuned into the cues that our body's giving off and our our mind, our thoughts and our feelings, we're better able to tolerate and deal with what's going on if we even know what's going on. There's a lot of times because we're on social or doing many, many things at the same time, we aren't really tuned in and focused on how we're doing. And it's important. It's not that you need to be, you know, just dialed in every second of every day, but it is important to check in with yourself periodically and know how you're doing. And um, mm-hmm. my the other thing you asked me was, you know, what's the reason for practicing mindfulness, for being mindful? And here's the thing: when you're more focused on the present and this moment, if you're paying attention to any one of your senses anything as you're doing anything that you you do in your day that is you are mindful because you're paying attention to something as it's happening mm-hmm. when you think about if you're not mindful and you're thinking about things in the past or in the future things that have happened or are going to happen those are areas where a lot of the judgments happen it ha- those are the areas where we go over how we did with something we pre- we try to ruminate and think about oh did i do this right did I, how did i do that how did i do with that and then you know re- and then for the future it's like are we re- rehearsing considering worrying trying to predict and when we're spending a lot of our thoughts in the past or the future those are areas that are typically in that harmful zone sometimes and it's not that we're not going to 
our past is our past and it did happen. And it is important to know what happened in our past and learn from our past. And that does make us who we are and it allows us to move forward. But if we're spending so much time in those two areas, we are spending less time living our life as it's actually happening Mm. and spending more of our life thinking about what happened or worrying about what's going to happen. Yeah, that's really, that's so good. I love how you explain that. Um, Just understanding mindfulness, you know, just, I loved your definition of mindfulness. I think you're right, is very practical and accessible for folks. Um, And I liked how you explained instead of that non-judgmental, like that shifting to like not engaging in harmful judgment, because you're, I mean, you're right, like we can start judging ourselves for not being able to engage in non-judgmental thinking. And that just <laughs> kind of perpetuates Wait, the problem. So I call it judging your judge. You start judging <laughs> the fact that you're judging. It's yeah. like, yeah. And then it's endless. It's like this like hamster wheel. You just go on, you know, That's and right. it's like, yeah. 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 No, and even just the way that you explain that mindfulness um, around returning to the present moment in the way that you did. And I just, I love all of that. I think that's so understandable and something that all of our listeners can hopefully be able to like wrap their minds around as they're, you know, regardless of the, if they're faith leaders, if they're mental health care providers or clients or, or anyone. I love that. That's really right. good. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's definitely, you know, I keep religion out of my work in the sense of like, whatever your belief is, is your belief. But in terms of like, you don't have to be a Buddhist to practice mindfulness. I, Mm -hmm. and the thing is, is that I, I was taught mindfulness in a university and hospital setting. And so I didn't come to it from, you know, sometimes people do come to mindfulness from a different, from a from Buddhism. And that Mm -hmm. is not my train. That's not my training at all. So I come at it from a very secular place. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. That's yeah. So if if I'm listening, and I think, okay, fine, like pay attention to my senses and all that, right? That's like pretty easy to kind of grasp onto the idea of. But then (laughs) as I'm kind of going throughout my day, right, that's much harder, because there's things that are constantly grabbing my attention. Are there some go to kind of like prompts or practical ways that you teach people to kind of practice being mindful and and noticing how they're doing throughout the day? Yeah, so yes. And what I like to consider is all the things that you do all day. From the minute you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, there are opportunities to bring mindfulness to your day. So what I think about is, you know, what are the your hobbies, your interests, just the things you're doing. Uh, and when you when you're doing any of them, noticing your senses, really like looking at something as if it's something you've seen a thousand times with fresh eyes, you know, um, taking like one way to do it, too, is almost what I call zooming in and zooming out. So imagine, uh, you know, your cell phone, you have a camera on your phone and it's just kind of like observing what catches your attention and actually maybe stopping for a moment and noticing it mm-hmm. and then playing around with, you know, what you focus on, what you zoom into, what you zoom out of. I mean, even in the room you're in right now, look and see what's around you, see what is maybe something you look at all the time, but you really haven't paid attention to. And then consider turning around, you know, what's mm-hmm. behind you right now. Mm-hmm. It's it's looking at things with fresh eyes. It is our brain is is really primed to look for things that are new, novel, maybe that don't 
necessarily fit. So I always think of like the Where's Waldo or like the Highlights magazine where you're looking uh-huh. for things. Yeah, yeah. And so what I encourage people to do is also maybe to take a mindful walk somewhere and look for something that think look at the things that catch your attention, but also look for something that doesn't seem is out of place or doesn't fit. And um, maybe even take a mindful walk in a safe place with your phone. And when you are, your, your attention is drawn to something to stop, take a picture of it and then even play around with maybe zooming into that thing and zooming out. And, and then also taking a picture of something that doesn't really fit or belong. And what's interesting with zooming in and zooming out is you're looking at where do you put your attention? Where do you put your awareness, your focus? And, um, it also applies to where we put our attention in our lives and our relationships, you know, and, and considering, do we, do we look at all different points of views when we zoom out or are we only looking, if we zoom in, are we only looking at our point of view? And, and it's interesting to play around with looking from at different perspectives and from different vantage points, for example. Yeah. No, that's really Mm -hmm. good. I'm kind of chuckling now when anyone uses the word zoom, I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) You know, heart rate goes up. I never even thought about that until you just said that's really funny. (laughs) It's just so, so much of part of our vocabulary these days in a different way. And so hearing it, even thinking about zooming in and out is like, oh, I just think about zoom meetings that we're in all day. But anyways, that's awesome. That's funny. Mm. So you mentioned at the top, right, your new program, uh, Mindfulness-Centered Social social Emotional Learning. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about like what that is? I mean, obviously, that's a, a handful of words there, um, and how it's helping teens can help teens, things like that. Yeah, um, it is basically the idea that you bring in a constellation of mindfulness and other types of skills. So, you know, your social skills, social awareness, emotional awareness, being um, kind of like the good qualities you want to bring into your life. Um, And so it provides teachers and schools with lessons around, you know, around being mindful, around what I call positive neuroplasticity, skills to um, help someone really harness and the taking in the good and focusing on self-care and, and gratitude and compassion and, really kind of offsetting some of the more challenging um, things that are going on for us right now. And I think everyone needs a little bit of a respite from uh, kind of focusing necessarily on just academics, but also how do we harness, you know, emotional learning, emotional well-being, for example. Yeah. And that's a program that I know you mentioned, uh, I think to me in an email has just been adopted and is being used uh, in, in school settings, right? Yeah, so it's, you know, there's 32 mindfulness-centered lessons that are, you know, they're 20-minute videos, and then they go along with um, these really wonderfully drawn activities from my book, Taking the Good, which were actually drawn by a teen who is now at university, And, and it also comes with an audio practice, so a teacher can use them, a school can use them, whether it's in any of the formats that they're going back to school, so whether it's distance learning 
or a hybrid or in school. Um, it was originally asked, someone asked me for PE teachers to, because they couldn't oh, have yeah. all, of, all of the students in the same space. So mm-hmm. half of the kids would go and if it was in school and go and watch a, a lesson. And then the other half would actually do um, the PE lesson. And then in addition to the 32 lessons, my colleague and co-author um, created 16 mindful movement lessons that go along with, because she's also been trained in my program. So they go, they pair well together. And so it can last for a semester, um, where you would do two lessons a week. You could even do a mindful movement lesson, or you could do it one lesson a week and one mindful movement lesson. It would go for the year. So, um, it just fills the gap and it kind of balances out the academic with, you know, self-awareness, social awareness, decision-making, self-management and relationship skills, which are what we call the five social emotional learning competencies. Mm, I love that. I think, and I think that makes great sense around linking it with like PE teachers. And I, I don't know. I just, I think that that it makes such good sense. That's awesome. Well, what I what I've done too is well, no one's turned away for lack of um, f- uh, being able to pay for the program. So mm. that's one thing as well. And when I when a school signs up, the whole families can get access. So siblings can use it, parents can use it, staff can use it. And I wanted to make it really accessible to all people because I find there's some programs out there that you really have to have money to do it. And then that doesn't really make one of the things I look at is with mindfulness is that you're not levitating You're not going sit high on a mountain for 30 days and doing, you know, it's for, (laughs) it's for the everyday person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We we have busy, we have busy lives. We do what we do. And it's like, how do you bring mindfulness to what you're doing already? You know, how do you, you know, have fun with, you know, baking and mindfully gardening, walking your dog, letting your dog walk you and see where they go, mm-hmm. provided you don't have a, a yeah. you know, a 60 pound dog that's taking <laughs> you off. But yeah, then you might not have a choice. Yeah, exactly. No, that's so good. I love that. I'm I'm actually, my, my background's in social work. And so the ways in which you are making this accessible for folks is just, it just makes my social work heart so happy. So thank you Aww. for doing that. I really, yeah, I just appreciate that. I was, when I was a, a therapist at Kaiser, I was also a halftime uh, case manager. So I am used to getting and helping families access resources and, and, also kind of advocate for children in schools. So mm, that's kind of yeah. where my, my heart is at um, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, building, you know, kind of on this and helping, you know, folks in different uh, walks of life and different experiences and such kind of connect with this idea of mindfulness and the, and the work that you do. I'm specifically thinking about teens who could be listening to this episode. So let's say if I were a teenager who is listening to this episode, what types of things would you recommend to help navigate stress? There's so many things. Um, I think, wow, that's, that is a very big question. Yeah. It is a big, it is a big question, but I think one way I would say I'll I'll give a, a a useful thing. So I have an idea. Perfect. Perfect. um, I like, I like to look at, um, you know, our stress like waves. So if you imagine, you know, waves in the ocean, you can literally draw your own stress waves. And what I'd like you to do is go sit down, grab a 
piece of paper and just draw whatever waves look like to you and what stressors, what things, people, events, things that are going on in your life that are kind of causing you stress right now and putting those on your stress waves. And this would also apply for adults too. And then what I want you to do after you've done that is to look at on the on the drawing which of those things are you know short term things that will resolve that are temporary stressors and I write those in mm. one one box. Mm-hmm. Then the next box you want to write down things that are maybe long term but you can do something about but might take some planning and some some time to resolve. And then the last section would be what are things that are completely out of your control such as the pandemic Um, maybe politics, maybe, um, you know, someone in your family has a problem that you can't do anything about. Mm -hmm. And what I like you to do is want then once it's on paper, you don't have to necessarily hold on to it anymore, because it's in it's on the paper now. And of those things that are the short term, why don't you work on maybe those a few of those first, so that you kind of feel some success, you feel like you've got accomplished some taking care of some of your stress waves. And then you can work on, you know, a long term or something that isn't easily manageable, but you can work to like creating steps to dealing with it. And then last, the things that you really can't control of those, what feelings do you have around that? What are things that you can do to protect you, to take care of yourself when things in your environment you can't control? And, And then just knowing that you do have some control of your stress. And those with with waves, they pass, they shift, they change all the time. Waves are changing all the time and your stressors are changing all the time. And you can do these the stress wave drawing, you know, all the time, really, like once a week even and just see how they change and see how you've taken care of some of them or also see which ones, which category do you have more of? And sometimes when you write them on the stress waves down and you're like, wow, I didn't realize there were a lot of short-term things, or I didn't realize a lot of these things are just my to-do items and I can kind of take care of some of those. There could be some aha moments when you write them down. There could be things you didn't even realize were in your awareness that are actually causing you stress, like pandemic, like your school situation, whatever it might be. And if you want, on my website, on stressteens.com, I have a page um, called on the far right of my website, it says COVID Toolbox. And on that page, mm-hmm. everything on there is free. There's like eight audio practices that you can listen to that could help you kind of like when you're feeling stressed. There are a number of handouts that you can download. There's some really cool coloring pages that are all kind of self-care focused. And there's a lot of different things on there that you can use that are, are of no charge and completely available to you. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm I'm going to go look for those those coloring pages, to be totally They're honest. <laughs> well, the, the coloring that. pages, um, the person who drew the coloring pages is also the person who illustrated my Take in the Good book and oh, is the one who's a teen. That's so fun. I that's love awesome. that. Man, yeah. that's great. So if I'm, say, a, a parent or a teacher, a youth pastor, right, someone who works with teens, adolescents, how how would you say can I best help the teens in my life, either in a kind of a one-on-one context, like a parent, right, or a bigger scale context, like a classroom or a youth group? I think that, you know, this 
reminds me of a moment. I was on a teen retreat in Canada and a teen left me a note and then it said, I see you and I hear you. And they drew a heart in the middle. And when I, when I got that, aside from being overly, very touched, I realized that our youth today want to be seen and heard. And, Mm. and I thought about that and I realized that's what we want too. We all want that. We all want to just be truly seen and truly heard And aside from whatever thing you're teaching, whatever you're offering a teen, the idea of offering your presence versus a present, but your presence with someone truly authentically being there, listening um, without judgment, without thinking of the next thing to say, just just listening, just being and joining with them. Um, obviously there, there are many skills and things that you probably have in your toolbox that you can always offer people, which is very important, but it's also really important to just be yourself, be, be open to whoever is in front of you. And also I think about, you know, when you were young to think about the person that made a difference and an impact for you and, and to think about that you're now in that position. You you might be impacting someone more than you know. You might have a bigger effect on them that you we don't necessarily know what's going on with someone when they go home and you might be that only person for them. You might be that change maker for them. You might say that one thing that gets shifts their trajectory and you know, it's really important to realize that and to just being supportive. And, and like I said, just listening. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. And I love that, that story of um, the teen that you mentioned. And I wholeheartedly agree with you that we really are all looking to be seen and heard. And so I'm so grateful for this work that you're, that you're doing, Gina. This is wonderful. One thing that we like to ask our guests, especially those who have written books and who are really trying to put together good, helpful resources out there for folks. I am super curious to hear like what, if you could say like one or two things or like, what is your hope for this work as you, as you share it and offer it to others? I hope that people are, people are kinder to themselves. I hope that people talk to themselves like they would their best friend. Mm. I hope that people treat themselves like they would their their dog or their cat. It is so important to love yourself and care for yourself and to really, really engage in self-care. Um, you know, we have indicator lights on our car when it needs gas. We have notifications when our, you know, a battery bar on our cell phones that lets us know when it needs to be charged. And we, when we're mindful and are aware of our thoughts, feelings, and physical sensations are given those cues and those signs to let us know when we need to be recharged. And it is so useful that if you are taking care of yourself, you you're taking care of yourself in terms of exercise and eating and doing healthy things you enjoy, that when hard things come your way, you're better able to tolerate difficulties because you're not on empty. You're, you are rather charged, so to speak. I call it the bank of well-being. 
you know, it's like we're, we are like a little piggy bank and we're putting in the coins so that we have some reserve when things are hard. It's like, if you think of the coins, you know, taking in the good gratitude, self-care, compassion, mindfulness, you're putting all these coins in, you're filling up your well-being bank. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. I love that. Yeah. Well, if you want to connect with Gina, you can connect with her and her work at stressteens.stressedteens.com, just to make sure, because I said it kind of like stress teens, stressed with an ed teens.com, on Twitter at stressedteens or at gbeagle. Stressteens.com also has links to tons and tons of other resources, including the COVID-19 toolkit that you mentioned that has a plethora of free resources. Uh, There's also trainings for professionals, things like that. So really anybody, there's stuff for for anybody on that website. You can also pick up any of Gina's books, including Take In The Good, (laughs) wherever you buy books or they're, they're for sale on that website as well. If you want to connect with me, you can find me at robert-vore.com or on any social media at Robert Vore. You can connect with Holly at hollyoxhandler.com or on any social media at hollyoxhandler. You can connect with the show all over the place. All that's in the show notes. Gina, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any yeah. closing thoughts for our listeners? Um, well, I'm going to just say that I have a, I recently went into Instagram world. This is, this was big for me because, uh-huh. you know, all the teens do Instagram. Mm-hmm. So my Instagram is, is be mindful, stress less. And the reason why I say that is I post a lot of everything that I post on there is like really inspirational quotes, cool, beautiful pictures. I'm, I'm big into gardening. I post a lot about veggies and flowers and my pets And so if you want some kind of uplifting, good for you kind of messages, you can check me out on Instagram because I think we all need a little bit of kindness and goodness and beautiful moments in our life right now. Um, You know, kind of through things that are hard, we really do need to quote, stop and smell the roses, so to speak. Thanks for listening to the CXMH podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMH Podcast at gmail.com. 